Hey everybody, welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. We are uh, today chatting about all of the Alien movies. Uh, how you doing, AJ? I'm doing very well, Frank. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, just a little fun fact here. Um, I have not seen any of the Alien movies until this past weekend. So awesome. I, I, I binge-watched uh, Alien, Aliens, and Prometheus, kind of the ones that we... We kind of decided together that were probably the ones that were important to to have a background in going into Alien Covenant, which comes out on uh, Friday, May nineteenth, which we're both very excited about. I know you're very excited about. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited, dude. Uh, so I have been a fan of the Alien franchise since I saw Aliens on VHS that my babysitter Joanne rented from the Comac library. (laughs) Um, And it was the special edition. And I remember watching it the first time and I just, I just fell in love with it. I remember being a little kid and loving that movie. Um, And then of course, you know, going on and seeing the rest of the franchise as well. But listen, those, uh, you know, late seventies and, uh, Pretty much the late 70s to early 90s sci-fi is is pretty much excellent, man. It was really dark. Oh, yeah. It had a really great look and feel to it. The effects, the practical effects had come so far in movie technology, um, you know, kind of beginning, you know, a little bit after Star Wars uh, or with Star Wars, some would say. And then, you know, kind of carrying us all the way through to the 90s. So um, one of the things I really love about the Alien franchise kind of as a whole more so than anything else is that it really is tremendous world building and that it really goes so far into what we were talking about last week with uh, guardians of the galaxy that you really do want to kind of jump in and play and walk around and live in it yeah totally um and you know so i think uh you know one of the the tagline for Whalen Utani, the fictional corporation within uh, the Alien franchise, is building better worlds. My question to you, Frank, you've just watched these movies for the first time. I'm in love with them. I am, obviously have biases, theories. I've watched special features, commentaries, tons of stuff. But you're fresh. Yeah, very fresh. You're 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 brand new to this. In your opinion. You know, and, and I'm I'm sorry. Uh, quick spoiler alert: We're going to spoil the crap out of these movies. If you haven't seen them, I don't know what you're doing with your life and why you're listening to this podcast. Right. Uh, but you know, we're really going to get down and dirty on these and get nuts. But Frank, um, we decided that the main movies to watch were Alien, Aliens, and Prometheus. Pretty much ignoring, you know, Alien Three, Alien uh, Resurrection, and the Alien vs Predator films. Um, in your opinion, who builds a better world? Oh, uh, you know, to be totally honest with you, I, I do think James Cameron, uh, you know, the first film is, is really, really great. Um, it, it is, it's kind of like in TV, they call it like your bottle episode. It, it's in, uh, in a spaceship and it happens pretty much all right there, you know, with the exception of a, a little bit of the plot, but you know, Aliens just opens it wide up. You know, they 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 start it uh, <clears throat> basically getting uh, you know bringing her back into the the world. You know, fifty seven years later, and uh, you go to back to Earth, and you you go into you know some sort of uh, space station, and you go back to the planet. It just it really establishes all these other characters and just the interactions between. 
you know, the, the way people perceive the, the aliens of whether they are good or bad, whether they, they exist or not. Uh, it, all these things are posed in that second film, whereas the first one is pretty much, it, it's it, basically the, the second film couldn't happen without the first one, but that first one is just such a like tease into the, the overall world building. Now, uh, Prometheus, uh, in a, in a totally different way, obviously Ridley Scott returning, uh, from the original movie, he does a ton of world building in that movie, but it, I think the hard thing is that it, it doesn't necessarily feel like it connects all of the dots. Uh, you know, all the, the, the big things that were introduced in, in aliens and, and in the first one, um, are, not necessarily answered in, in Prometheus and he introduces a whole bunch of other concepts. So, uh, one could argue that he, uh, maybe learned from, you know, 30 years of filmmaking from, you know, the, the late seventies to, to now and, uh, has taken a different approach. Um, and I mean, to be totally honest, like James Cameron does that. And so maybe he learned from Cameron, you know, think about mm -hmm. avatar and, and, uh, Terminator and, uh, all the other, great Titanic, Titanic the abyss yeah yeah like so uh, they they both do a, a fantastic job I, I just in, in terms of world building I, I had more faith in Cameron from from that second movie uh versus uh you know uh Ridley Scott and and Prometheus which you know came out about five years ago and so it, you know it, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic with this next one which is which is Scott again uh, hoping that maybe he took some of the mistakes, maybe or missed opportunities. That's one of our favorite terms uh, from from Prometheus, and and you know this movie, the new movie is called. And I don't want to get too much into it because we haven't even seen it yet. But it is called Alien. Like Prometheus is in the title is not even Alien movie. So I think true. You're, I, on, I, you're right. I think there's something to be said about that. That's going to connect those movies back together. So okay, so. A lot to unpack here. You know, um, I think it's really interesting that there's so much sci-fi Hall of Fameness with the Alien franchise, but also kind of uh, infamousness. You know, because you think, like, if I were to tell you tomorrow or post it on BuzzFeed that uh, David Fincher is going to be directing an Alien movie... The internet would lose their minds. They would be so freaking excited. Yeah. If you were going to post a day later that Joss Whedon was going to be writing the next one after that, people would be shitting their pants in the street. <laughs> Except and, for the fact that people know it, history. Yeah, and, and that's what's so interesting about the Alien franchise. And I think that there's... Uh, first of all, I would highly recommend if you're an Alien fan... Um, you know, who's been interested in it, maybe you've seen the movies a few times, go on Amazon, go pick up the a Alien Anthology uh, Blu-ray collection. It's six discs. It is different from the Alien Quadrilogy <laughs> because the Alien Quadrilogy will just feature only the movies. Yes, you will get the director's cut. You will get to watch either cut on uh, one, two, and three. But unfortunately, you're not going to be able to get uh, the special features like the DVD commentaries, behind the scenes, uh, documentaries, all that kinds of stuff is only locked on the uh, Alien Anthology 
Blu-ray box set. I will say that most of the footage in the documentaries probably were derived when they were putting together the original Alien Quadrilogy DVD set, because most of the, the uh, documentary stuff is shot in the uh, standard uh, old-school TV format. It's not widescreen. Right, right. Um, and, it's, and listen, I made it through half of the first part of the Alien documentary, and I watched, uh, you know, a lot of the other special features, like the little one-off featurettes and stuff, as well as tons of YouTube movies and other things, because I am very excited for Alien Covenant. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly that Prometheus has a lot of missed opportunities. I think that there was a big part of us that, you know, I remember seeing Prometheus and going into it and being like, shit, like Alien is so, like, okay. So getting back to the question of who builds better, who builds the better world? Ultimately, I think the answer is going to be Ridley Scott because he came up with the idea. But Ridley Scott actually didn't come up with the idea at all. Ridley Scott just directed the movie. Yeah, he didn't like the movie. Mm-mm. No. So the writers was was this guy named Dan O'Bannon. So Dan O'Bannon is a sci-fi writer, and he wrote like this sci-fi comedy spoof for John Carpenter in the mid-'70s, right before Star Wars. Um, that was essentially like a comedy spoof on 2001. It did not do very well. After this comes out, quickly Star Wars comes out, and he's like, holy fuck. And at this point, he's like, I want to write this. The, the only idea he had in the beginning was that he wanted to write a movie about a group that's in stasis. They're not explorers. They're workers. They just wake up. They get a call to go down to a planet. They take a look at the planet. They find a creature, and the creature comes back onto them. So... Really, there was such, you know, bare bones of what we what would become alien, you know, coming down the line. So he, had, this guy had a writing partner, and his partner was uh, this guy named Ronald Sharrett. And he was a pretty good dude, and they worked together, and this guy, you know, um, added to the story. He came up with the, uh, I believe he's the guy who came up with the chestburster idea, mm-hmm. um, that it lays its eggs inside of you, and then it, you know... Uh, it pops out and, you know, turns into its next form. And then there's a, a next phase. So at a certain point, um, they had sold this movie to Fox, right? Right. And then they brought it on, on a team, and the team was headed by this guy named David Geiler. Now, David Geiler ended up adding the android and uh, ended up adding that, you know, E.M. Holmes character into it. And I think that that's really profound because I looked at this guy's uh, IMDb. He goes on to write Blade Runner. Yeah, I mean that makes a, a ton of sense, and, it, it, and obviously oh, it, that's that's Ridley Scott as well. And you know it, that's clearly a theme that he's interested in. And honestly, like it, it's a huge theme within these movies. Uh, you know, it, from from the outside, you might not realize uh, how much uh, the the android characters actually move the plot along and are, have have their hands in in certain things. And it. it it kind of speaks a little bit more to the, you know, artificial intelligence. Like, how much do they uh, really know and have self-awareness and uh, are, are are doing things for their own good, or are they being manipulated by someone else? And it's all interesting questions that are posed in in all of the movies that that I saw. Um, I imagine all the ones so far, but uh, you know that even I think in the next movie that obviously we we've got Michael Fassbender again, and it's it's uh. 
a very interesting concept that we're big and we're big fans long lost oh, okay. heroes zb included we're all really big fans of uh, michael fassbender uh he's he's great i love him as magneto i really love him as david and prometheus i thought he's the clear standout uh favorite part of the movie of course absolutely um okay so frankie you're fresh on these movies and we can pepper in my delicious yummy content gummies throughout <laughs> it i want to know of all the all three movies, which was your favorite character? Like, who did you identify most with, or you know, where did you uh, really sink in? Okay, um, honestly, uh, I, I really liked Bishop as a character, the the android in Aliens. Um, yes, he he and, and Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson, I think maybe that's just part of it. You know, a recognizable actor that I know from many other things. Um, uh, Hudson, uh, Bill Paxton's character, another standout, pretty over the top. Uh, <laughs> Rest in uh, peace. I love you, Bill Paxton. Yeah, amazing, amazing <laughs> job in this movie, and so many other uh, Cameron uh, flicks, and uh, he, he's just—he's got a presence on screen that you know, he, whether he's playing a super serious role or a uh, a comedic relief, which he he has a little bit of both in this one. You know, he it's played for laughs a lot, but he has some serious concerns about what's going on. And oh yeah, um, I, I I do love Ripley. I, I think she uh, she is such a badass in 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 both these movies, especially the second one. Um, it, it's funny because um, coming from uh, the experience of not knowing these movies but knowing about the movies and knowing like a lot of the major story beats and like the big moments like to be totally honest like i saw space balls when i was in you know middle school or something earlier than that and so the chestburster scene in that one which is totally played for last like and i think john hurt plays it in he's he reprises his role <laughs> yeah and so like you know i knew that was coming but it's still like crazy to see and then i'll tell you who didn't know that was coming the fucking cast oh they didn't so when ripley is is setting up that shot uh-huh. they explain it to them but they closed so like they do the first part where they're having their like nice uh you know camaraderie scenes and one of the cool things that ripley did was he waited to do all those like kind of camaraderie scenes like a lot of these like other movies will do to like the end of the movie so that they look like more of a family. They look like more, you know, uh, charismatic altogether. Yeah, they've got more uh, chemistry. They've yeah. worked together for a while. So he get, he's doing the movie, and then he cuts, he cuts, he, clear, he clears the set, closes the set. All right, all the actors are waiting around. They set Ian Holm up. And then they had a guy underneath him and that's who pushes the puppet oh. out of his chest. Oh, oh John Hurt? John Hurt, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Home, I'm sorry. And so John Hurt's lying down in the thing and then, you know, they push it up. So then uh, when they're doing these shots, the other female lead who is not Sigourney Weaver, she's really reacting as viscerally to this scene as she is, yeah. because this is all happening for the first time in front of her eyes. Yeah. And, and that blood splatter that makes it all the way out there actually was, like, way too far. It was way further than they had expected it to go. <laughs> like, they were really aiming for more of her shirt, and that's and then when it got all over her face, it was, like, kind of crazy. Yeah. But it's... 
oh, it's such it's one of the most iconic scenes you know of the whole alien franchise for sure yeah definitely and, and in movie history i mean in it, movie it, history it's, it's huge and it's that's one of those things that uh like even going to uh theme parks like going to uh hollywood studios down in uh orlando like they there's sure. a movie ride that has alien all in it and so it's like i've experienced that and so i know a lot of, about that and just like other you know, documentaries or other things. So like, when you're putting this movie together for yourself this yeah. time, knowing the beats, yeah, like uh, are the, is the interstitial stuff that you didn't imagine or expect? How did that feel? What did you get from that? Uh, so like specifically, um, something like you know when they wake up in in from stasis and and yeah 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 like. I, you know, I, that wasn't something I really realized. Um, I, you know, I didn't fully, I think, I think the other part is that I didn't know necessarily the differences between alien and aliens because I knew bits of both. Like I knew her, uh, in, in the big mechanical suit fighting. A oh, the mech? The oh my God. Goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I didn't know when those things happened, but like, I, I definitely knew, uh, especially when I saw John Hurt at the beginning of that movie, I'm like, okay, so that's this movie. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because uh, the first one is more of a horror film in, in that it's like you've got these moments where it's like they're it, they're in this ship with the alien, and the alien is coming to get them, <laughs> you know, and it's one of it's a horror element where. You know, they, they're they playing it for uh, the terror and, you know, they, they've got these moments where it's... The tension. Quiet, the tension is there. You know, you know I remember the, the one character that's uh, with, with the hat and he's, um, he's into that room looking for the cat and he's just, like, sitting there, like, with the, the water dripping on his face and it's like, you know something's going to happen. But they don't show it. They, you know... Harry they, Dean... Harry, yeah. Harry Dean Stanton in yeah. that movie is, like, pretty ridiculously awesome. Yeah. So, one of the things I, I so got really into the weeds on for, uh, you know, in the special features is um, the horror element. The idea that they really, like that O'Bannon really wanted to make this a horror movie, right? He wanted this to be scary and serious and real. So when he's writing this movie, he's in, he, like, he's in, like, he's one of these, like, artsy guys, and he hears about this guy named uh, Hans Geiger, or H.R. Geiger, as he's known. And so this dude, he he makes a book of illustrations called the Necronomicon, and it's like it's it's just like these dreams that he draws out of his nightmares. Uh, if you're not familiar with um, the the drawings of the French artist Mobius, or you know these kind of uh, if this kind of French, uh, I think it was called like neo hyperrealism or something. Um, just look at the Matrix because essentially his style style is really perfected in both the Matrix and in uh, Alien, which is different because it's not him in the Matrix. So, but Alien is all him. This is like his big like legacy to society, which is really cool because as an artist, he like was happy to jump in with both feet and really dig into this movie to design everything. So when he's designing, you know the so. When Dan O'Bannon saw him, he got the idea for, you know, what the alien would look like. But it didn't happen until Ridley Scott 
that Ridley Scott decided exactly all of the images that they were going to use. So he decided on Necronomicon 4 and 5. So when he decides on this, the original drawing of the alien had eyes. So uh, when, when they did it, they were like, you know what, we'll keep the human skull in there. Because actually in the, the makeup of the alien is like a human skull inside the mask. But uh, <laughs> they covered up... Uh, they cover up the eyes because uh, something that has no eyes is infinitely scarier. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it, and it, it, they, it evolves obviously through uh, the, the first and the second movie. And like, Oh yeah. And, and Cause you've got all the, it's obviously you've got the next set of aliens, the, just like the, the regular versions. And then you've got the queen which, uh, you know, was really, really crazy to see on, on screen. And, you know, yet, uh, ideas of, like, I mean, I remember seeing, like, the movie uh, Godzilla 2000 or something with, like, the eggs, and it's, like, that's totally evoking uh, what happens in Aliens where she's walking through the eggs and it's just, like... Oh, yeah. There but is... get it. While you're thinking about that, think about this. H.R. Geiger hated what the franchise and the studio did with his designs for the Alien. He hated the queen. Wow. So in the original, uh, one of the original deleted scenes from Alien, there's a shot where Ripley goes into where all the dead bodies are being held. And where they're being held, you see one of the earliest bodies that, that is collected by the alien is producing an egg. And the idea being that it's a perfect organism, that it can reproduce out of itself infinitely into the future gotcha so so it didn't need the queen it could just did not exactly so right. this pissed geiger off so much <laughs> that he hates the other movies he does he wants nothing to do with it so when uh this goes back to um you know what geiger was doing so when they brought when ripley scott finally brings geiger into the movies um, to work on Alien, Geiger, uh, Geiger is solely responsible for LV-426, the alien ship, the space jockey, uh, the eggs, and of course the you know evolution designs of the Xeno. But everything else was done by this other guy named Walter Hill, who does all that beautiful um, you know Earth-style space uh, you know junk kind of um, ships. And he was a really practical guy. He was an engineer. That's how he kind of came up with all of his designs. And uh, last little bit. So on the production design for Alien, uh, you'll see a lot on the ship. So anybody who's going to be watching these movies again, look out for all the twos and threes because they're often set up together as 23, which symbolizes the 23 chromosomes of the DNA of DNA for humans. Ah, that's interesting. And, and that carries throughout the, the franchise. Very uh, interesting. So those are like little teeny weeny Easter eggs. But okay, back to the and now uh, giving getting your analysis, Frank. You're fresh on this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So who, um, in your opinion, which uh, movie does Sigourney Weaver shine best? She is the star of these movies. Arguably, her action cojones come from these films. This yeah. was her Alien was her first movie. Um, what do you, th uh, which one is better for you? Um, aliens again, I, I think it's interesting because the first movie is set up with this kind of ensemble cast. Um, you, you know, and she's, she's not even necessarily in the beginning 
really the focus. You know, we're we're focused. She's on not the, focused on the captain. We're we're focused on uh, John Hurt's character uh, because he's the one that you know gets the the face hugger and, and all that. And obviously, you, you expect that he's not going to survive that, but it, it's not very much focused on her. And she's like has to sort of prove that her rank, you know, stands and it's focused a lot on, on Ash. Um, so mm-hmm. you don't really, uh, connect with her so much until the end when everyone else is dead. And, uh, you know, you think that she's like finally made it out. And, but then, then like towards the end there, she actually has to fight the alien and, you know, kick it out of the, the shuttle. And then it's, it's, so it's like, I, to me, especially since I, I, I watched them back to back, it's like, her character evolves towards the end of that movie and leads directly into aliens. And, you know, when she wakes up, obviously for us, like, I mean, for the people that saw this movie in theaters, several years had passed for me, only minutes passed, (laughs) but for you, even like probably a couple of days or hours or years, who knows, like when the, the difference between when you saw the first and the second one. But so for me, it was minutes and it just felt like, the perfect connective tissue. It's like, okay, she just experienced all this stuff with this alien. Granted, she fell asleep for 57 years, but she doesn't know that. It feels like it was the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and and mm-hmm. so that is really focused on her through the, the next movie. And she, she's uh, sort of the central figure, even though arguably there's a larger ensemble cast in, in this next one, but she's still sort of the center and then you have like the spokes on the wheel coming out from her, you know, her connection to um, Hicks and her connection to uh, what's the girl's name. Uh, Oh, uh, the little girl. Oh, Newt. 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 I was like, not Nemo. (laughs) Certainly not Nemo. Um, And, you know, the, the sort of rivalry going on between uh, Paul Reiser's character. So it's very interesting how, uh, they sort of changed that dynamic just in the two movies. Um, but I, I, I think I remember, didn't she get nominated for something for her performance in that movie? I think she, she actually did get nominated for something in Aliens. So, yeah, and the argue, like there's a very good reason why. And it, it's interesting because it's a sci-fi action movie. And you know most of the time, the uh, uh, actors and actresses, uh, directors, anything that doesn't necessarily get uh, recognized for their, their work and those kinds of things. So it's great that even back in the eighties that she was recognized for that. And, um, uh, you know, it's funny because we, we're focusing so much on, um, on these movies. And my, my last thought on, uh, Ripley's character is, um, coming from someone that hadn't seen these movies before, but have experienced video games for, you know, the entirety of my life. I mm. very much connect her and uh, the Metroid series with the, with the character of Samus, or who you may not have played like a, a core game, but you've probably played a, the character in like Smash Brothers. And oh, of course, happily, and, yes. And obviously, they, they're totally different look. You know, Samus has a, a suit, and she's uh, a bounty hunter. But there, there's something about the, um, and I think that the actual design of that franchise, the video game franchise, is based off of. Uh, people's experiences with the alien movie and, and probably a little bit from star Wars too. Uh, but just having, you know, a very strong female protagonist, uh, who kicks ass and is fighting aliens. And it's, I love that franchise. And, you know, I I could now see so many connections between the two. Um, 
I would like to go back and, and experience some of those again. But um, so moving to Prometheus, um, that was another one where like it's kind of hard to pinpoint who you really want to care about. They, they center it on um, uh, what's her name? No, Nomi Rapace's character um, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and, and the husband or boyfriend or whatever, Charlie. And uh, but then you've got all these other big name actors and actresses in there peppered through that it's kind of like okay wait who am I supposed to focus on? And ultimately, it, it's it's her and 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 David uh, Michael Fassbender's character and he really does steal the show. I I, I never really connected with her. Um, Doctor Doctor Shaw. That's that's who it is. Just, yeah, Doctor Elizabeth Shaw. Yeah, and I just you know they leave it sort of open that she survives and she's hunting for the engineers and I'm interested in what she finds but her as a character you know has nothing again you know to hold against uh Ripley like they're just and I mean they're different I get that you know Ripley comes from uh you know she was she was a worker and Shaw is a scientist, and they they have different missions, um, and you know one different was, motivations. Different motivations. One's out for survival, and the other one is, is for discovery. Um, so it, it's it's interesting, um, but I, I think ultimately um, it was probably a good call that they weren't focusing on her in this next movie. Um, but yeah. you know, obviously, we've got Fassbender, and again, the androids being a central piece to these movies. Um, it's it, it I you know is it the same version because obviously his head was decapitated decapitated and assume that she'd be able to put it back together but if she's not in the movie is it just another version of this android anyway <laughs> okay questions and so no 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 I, and I dig where you're going from here because you know one of the biggest bummers I had with Prometheus was you got to understand like. I love the Aliens franchise when I walked into Prometheus. So I'm, like, hoping for some answers. Everyone was kind of open for, like, some questions to be solved. What are the xenomorphs? Where do they come from? What are they doing here? You know, what is is this planet LV-426? Are we going to get to LV-426? What's happening? And the problem with Aliens uh, Prometheus is that as good as a film as it is, it you can't market that movie the way that they did and if you go back and watch the trailers they're very similar to the alien the original 1978 alien trailer they are they are dead ringers with the marketing the way that they put those trailers together and unfortunately you know if you're trying to reboot alien which is what i think that they were doing by calling it prometheus Mm -hmm. uh then you know reboot reboot the alien and don't leave us you know searching for these these questions the whole time because it just felt like the whole time it was the biggest blue balls in a movie i'd ever gotten yeah because nothing at the end of that movie is complete nobody's arc unless you look at like elizabeth shaw's arc about believing in god that's it other than that like what how does that thing turn into a xenomorph doesn't really look like a xenomorph how does out of that you get the eggs? You know, why did they crash land the ship on LV-426? All those questions still left yeah. wide open. And, you know, it was it was a bummer. It's interesting because, like, I was seeing the 
the engineer go into the seat and become the space jockey was like, oh, wow, they're like doing it. That's pretty cool. Like, that's a big question answer. Like, we know what these things look like now. And then you're like, oh, wow, it's the ship. It looks just like the one that crash land landed on uh, in the first movie. I'll be and when you're watching the trailer for the original Prometheus, yeah. you see that ship crash and you're like, that's the ship in Alien. And but it's not the same planet, and then you it's it takes off, and it never makes it there. So you're sort of like, okay, well, that it sort of explains what happened, but it wasn't this ship. The events of this movie and these characters didn't, you know, influence what happened <laughs> to Ripley directly yet. And and that that's like the thing. So when. You know, when they were starting the sequel on these movies, Ripley was gone. He left. He didn't want to. He didn't want to do the second one immediately afterward. Oh, but Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Yeah. And when, uh, you know, his idea was always to go back. You know, he wanted to go see where these things came from, how they got there, what the space jockey is all about. His like idea was never to just go back to the planet later on, and have more aliens. Like okay. so. When they had the script for Alien 2 done, like, it, it just it didn't have his bones in it. But I think that there's something to be said about those bones. Um, right. In my personal opinion, and, and here's where we're going to get down to the our friends. So, Dare Ryan and me pro- have watched Alien probably, like, I would say probably, like, three or four times to completion. Like, whether or not I fall asleep every once in a while is fine. But, like, we've watched them a lot. He argues that Alien is a perfect scary movie. It's still scary today. It still would work if you hadn't seen it. Did you feel scared when you were watching it? You know, it's funny because that was my hesitation because I'm not really into horror movies all that much. I very rarely go see them, but I love sci-fi. So that was why I was like, you know what? I'm going to give these a, ch- a shot because, you know, I pretty much everything I watch on tv or in movies comic books play video games whether i'm reading books anything it's always sci-fi that is pretty much what it boils down to for me so i was like you know what i have to at least try it's one of the most iconic movies and movie franchises ever so uh, you know i was expected to be very scared not and and maybe this is more to my uh my um tolerance for for the jump scares and stuff like that it didn't get me as bad but i think again part of it is like i knew certain things that were going to happen and you know the 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 chestburster thing wasn't a surprise to me and uh the uh knowing finding out that he was an android wasn't a surprise to me and not that that's necessarily supposed to be scary but there's a little bit of like what's happening like this guy's like freaking out and kind of gross and uh you know there's a lot of body harm in, in that movie um but you know it I, I think again it sort of goes to what you're trying to get out of these movies are you looking for it to be a horror movie are you looking for it to be an action movie are you looking for it to be a sci-fi movie and like arguably all three of these have elements of each one of those genres and so there's each one kind of blends a little bit and, you know, which one is uh, more pro- prominent. You know, obviously the first one's a little bit more horror-based. The second is more action-based. The third, well, the third one we're talking about, Prometheus, is more sci-fi-based. So 
it, it's interesting, and I, I'm curious to see what direction they're going to go in with this next one. Um, I have seen a trailer, um, but again, it wasn't because I was really looking for it because I until this weekend I wasn't really like, oh, I'm going to go see it. So, you know, what they're going for, we'll see. Um, I know you're really trying to avoid it, so I don't I don't want to say anymore. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to watch anything i've been trying really hard please don't please don't kill my vibe <laughs> uh anyway um so you know i'm i'm glad it didn't scare you we have another friend uh who will remain nameless who is really afraid of movies i don't think he's seen these movies to completion at all <laughs> um but uh you know um i i agree and i understand where dare's coming from because i've watched alien a few times it still replays, rewatches really well. But the same holds true with Aliens. And it holds true for me in a different way because there's something about Aliens that is not done to perfection in Alien. And that is the characters. Yeah. The characters of Aliens stick with you. You remember their fucking names. You are, you're watching them and, you know... You know the, like, of course, uh, James Cameron is going to have his catchphrases. That's part of his shtick. Yeah. But you have to understand that, like, that for a movie to have catchphrases become part of, like, the global lexicon, the lexicon of communication yeah. is a huge achievement. So, I mean, I, I literally texted you a, a catchphrase that I had no idea came from this movie. I was like... <laughs> it's like yeah, it's, it's, it, it's like a huge plot point, too. It's a huge plot point. It's like... Game over, man. Game over. Game over. No idea that that was from the aliens. And there it is. I'm like, wait, is this really where it originated? Is it coming from something else? But I'm like, this is not the spoof. This is the, you know, core movie that's based on. It's so interesting. You know, watching Aliens especially got me craving a little bit of more James Cameron, especially from the 80s. I was like, man, I really want to go watch Terminator. It's like... It's just that that style, that action movie. I'm like, I kind of want to go and watch Predator because even you know the, yeah. those, those movies back then they had a vibe that you know the the you knew the characters, you you wanted to remember the characters, especially the central character. You wanted to root for them, and you know they had all those elements in Aliens, and the the threat was huge. You know they were up against such insurmountable odds. Oh, the stakes are so much oh. higher. Because yeah. you know going in that they're all fucked. Like, okay. it, it, it's like, it's not even, it, it's way worse than Leatherface. Because yeah. this is a perfect organism. It's designed to be the most, what Geiger would say, it's the most perfect profanity of the human condition. That it's designed to, like, the, it's designed to look very sexual. It's designed to be very defiling. It's designed to be very um, irksome in that it really takes what you know human the human condition is about standing around being for yourself having free will and it turns it all on its head and you know you give birth to this thing you don't really have a choice just when you think you're done with the encounter it comes back and it fucking kills you yeah um, the that it has acid for blood it doesn't you know it, it's virtually impenetrable you can't just fucking stab it or shoot it in close range. Um, Those kind of things, like, they're beautiful concepts, and that's what I think makes Alien the better world building. 
But I think Aliens is clear is going to be the better movie for me for all times because you walk out, you're like fucking Bishop, fucking Newt, Burke, Hudson, Apone. You know those guys, yeah. and you feel like you're a part of that crew. You first of all, you know what they're up against, yeah. and then you see that they're this kind of ragtag group of. Uh, you know, Marines, but they're not the Marines that, like, you know, you see in, like, Full Metal Jacket or Apocalypse Now, where they just look like these rigid, tough guys who are in this space fighting this war. These guys are, like, they're talking about Arturian Poontang. This guy's cool. He's fucking a dude. <laughs> like, like uh, the knife scene? The knife scene is awesome! It's so awesome. And I'm, it's, like, makes me wonder, is, like, that where that originated? Because, like, how many movies have done that now, too? You yeah. Know? And it's interesting, like you said, that uh, the as the audience, we are along with Ripley, and we know what going back to this planet means, and no one else believes her, and they're all like, oh, we got this, these aliens, there's no such thing, like, whatever, and, like, it's crazy what they, they go through, and, like, honestly, the, the one thing that I will say was surprising was, like, how much they were able to, like, kick the aliens' ass, like, they were able yeah. to shoot them and blow them apart. And it's like, oh, they're not, like, completely impenetrable. Like, they're really hard to, to corner and to catch. And it, obviously in this movie, there are so many of them. They never even show how many there are. And right. it, that's, it. And the, again, one of those elements of surprise and elements of suspense. Like, they show the, the guns shooting down. And they're like, you're supposed to believe that as those guns are firing, the, the, uh, the turrets, that they're mowing down all these alien spawn. And it, oh it's yeah, like, it's like that is so totally different from what the first one is, and like the first one, yeah, like they didn't really have a ton of weapons. They had like a flamethrower and like some knives and stuff because they're not marines. They're just right. There's no guns in aliens. Yeah, so it's it's a totally different vibe. Um, it funny you should mention the the, the guns part. So uh, when they were, so when they did aliens, obviously. It's it's like it's James Cameron gun porn for Christ's sake. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but when you get to Alien Three, and these are part of the apocryphal, <laughs> you know, Alien film that we did, we're going to mention here at this point in time, really briefly, just so we pay them the respect of being mentioned. So in Alien Three, there are no guns either, but not because there are supposed to be no guns. There are no guns because Sigourney Weaver didn't want them to have guns in the movie. She was a very big advocate against gun violence. And, like, this was kind of her shtick. And uh, the studio was like, fuck it, okay, so prison, fine. And Alien 3 is... It's unfortunate because it's David Fincher. It's his first studio film. The stu It's notorious for being one of the most studio-fucked-with cuts of all time. That it really did, you know, it totally changed. Uh, also, the um, the CGI for the alien is not there yet in 1995. Yeah, it's just not ready. And it was so the effects in this movie, um, because they're the early CGI, post Jurassic Park, but uh, pre Matrix, that it doesn't. It, they really don't hold up. Um, pretty much the plot of this movie is there are three aliens. Uh, there's a dog alien this time, which is pretty interesting they, that the Xeno kind of takes upon kind of the physiology of the being it was uh, a parasite for. Um, it ends with, uh, spoiler uh, Ripley killing herself, but mm -hmm. it also opens, and this is why the fans really hated it, 
it opens with the death of Newt and Bishop right off the bat. What? Newt, Bishop, and wait, not just Newt, Bishop, and Hudson are dead right off the bat immediately. So, like, you're not even five minutes into the movie. They're dead for no reason. And here you are with all these kind of new, gruff... The the exposition in the world building is cool because it's these, like, monk... It's these prisoners who turned into, like, monks. There's no women there. So when Ripley's there, she's, like... It's, like, a pretty profound thing. There's also something... <laughs> because David Fincher hates this movie... Uh, on the DVD set you have, you see that there's you watch the director's cut version of this movie. However, James David Fincher has nothing to do with that, so that's appropriately called the amalgamation cut. There are some weird fanboys who saw this movie in the '90s who were kids who loved this movie, and do props to them because we have the prequels and we're always going to have the prequels. But uh, Star Wars, I mean, yeah. Alien Three. You don't. You, this is just a very highly, highly skippable entry into the franchise. Uh, quickly, Alien Resurrection. Uh, Joss Whedon's first writing job in Hollywood. Um, his first movie writing job. It's pretty cool. Um, concept is that you know they clone Ripley, and then they splice her with an alien. And there's a more um, uh, empathetic robot android character. Interesting fact. Uh, there was an alternative ending for this where they get where they go back to Earth and Earth is a Armageddon post-apocalypse landscape and that was like supposed to be really funny. Anyway, this movie is garbage. The effects are shit. Um, it's uh, it's it's not it's not good. It's really it, it, the same stipulations about guns were carry over to this movie. So you really never have high enough stakes to feel like you could ever beat the aliens. Also, there's not real the. They don't quote. They don't have a regular alien. They have a queen alien. So while it's it's cool that they brought back the queen, it's a bummer the way that they use it. Um, so resurrection, this one is not highly skippable. It is completely skippable. Please don't even worry about this. <laughs> and then the most apocryphal movies, which I think have something to be said. And shout out to our friend who is the only motherfucking friend fan we have out in the world who had anything to say about the alien movies who talked with us. And that is Caleb Copper. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Caleb, we love you. Thank yeah, you man. for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks Caleb. It, it, you've been really supportive so far, you know, of our podcast. So the past couple of episodes, you've been chiming in. It's been really great to hear from you. So, uh, you know, thanks for chiming in. What would uh, Caleb have to say? Kalen loved AVP as a 14-year-old, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Alien vs. I think I have seen AVP, and, and it was... I. It was on HBO a lot. Well, I think I actually saw it in theaters, believe it or not. And, but I knew nothing about those movies, and it, it obviously didn't matter because it's sort of... It, it's way out of canon. There's no way it can be canon. Oh, it's, it's so far <laughs> out of canon at this point, it's, like, silly. Yeah. But the idea of, like, the aliens versus the predators, which was a very popular comic, yeah. um, which is why it became a movie, uh, is an awesome idea. I think, it w- I think it was a really cool comic book. It was a really cool attempt at a movie. Unfortunately, it did, they didn't go for the R rating. They went for a PG-13, and you can see that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, interesting, t- interesting tidbit. Lance Henriksen is uh mr wayland in that movie yeah I, I was looking that stuff up today because i was curious uh, like a little bit about three resurrection and and the connections to the the avp movies but obviously like 
the he's a he's a Wayland, but he's not the same Wayland that they they have in Prometheus. So it's like the canon is just so screwed with. But you know, well, we, that's why I wanted to that's why I wanted to have like mention those even just for mentioning them yeah. because there's they are no pretty much everything after Alien is no longer canon, which it's kind of is a bummer. Aliens, the second one. Well, that's the thing because you know. One of the things I've heard from coming out of Alien Covenant, and I'm sure you've heard this too, is that there are a lot of sequels planned for this movie. Yeah. That coming out of uh, Prometheus, Ripley had high expectations for the future of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of bummed me out because I, I understand him wanting to make his, com- you know, complete his idea, but there was supposed to be an Alien five that neil bloomkamp had drawn some very cool pictures of around the time he was promoting chappie after he had worked with sigourney weaver for the first time and fox was eating that shit up you know why because aliens probably makes more money now in rentals and and uh stuff than alien does and there's still movies that they're making out from that movie so fox got really really into making this Alien 5 movie, which was then going to totally do away with the continuity for Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. And we were going to have a true sequel to Aliens that would be proper and not kill off the main characters in the first five minutes and really be a, a really nice conclusion for Sigourney Weaver, done in a way that was you know kind of fitting in those movies. However, Ripley Scott... Killed Ridley this Scott. idea. Ridley Scott. <laughs> Ridley, Ridley, Ridley Scott, not Ripley Scott. Ridley Scott killed this idea. Yeah, I heard that. He said, no way, because he wants to eventually be able to do that shit. So I don't know if Aliens is even canon anymore, because I because watching this stuff about Alien, you see how much resentment not only Geiger has, but also that Ripley has for the future of the franchise as well that he didn't touch. Hmm. That's very interesting. Like it, it, to me, you know, the the two movies connect so well, and that you know they were turning back to the planet and you know showing all the things that were shown before, and it's interesting. But like you know, watching Prometheus and the little bit I know about where they're going with Covenant, I could see that he would totally change you know the direction of everything. It's a shame because Blomkamp, I, I would love to, to have seen his movie. I absolutely love District Nine. I thought that's an amazing film. Um, you know, I think there were even rumors of uh, Charlotte Copley, who was the the main character of District Nine, you know, playing the alien, and that, that would be crazy. But obviously, it wouldn't yeah. be. But well, not but not even that. Like, there's something to be said about somebody fresh coming into an, an existing franchise and playing with it, and giving the being given the freedom to play with it. Yeah, and I think that you know you can see where James Cameron comes in, and you know, he's hot off Terminator at this point. And they're like, you know what? There's so much of this that you're going to be able to create just in the idea alone. You have a lot of freedom for this. Go have a good time. Whereas when you get to like a person like David Fincher and you hear about all the stories between him and the studio about making this movie, that you can so see that they didn't give him, it's not a long, I wouldn't call it a long enough leash. I would say they didn't give him a big enough sandbox. You know, okay. and I, I think that, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, the best thing, uh, some of the best things about these movies, especially 
you know, Aliens, Aliens, and Prometheus, I, I would say they have some of the best third acts in movies. Oh, that the, the the ends of all the ends of all these movies are pretty spectacular. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I I watched the Alien in one sitting, and I and that really grabbed my attention. Like because of the ending, I was like, I'm going to start the next one, and it was like at like 11:30 at night on a Friday after working oh, all yeah. day, and I was like, all right, this is going to be great. And I got through like half of the movie. I was like, I have to go to bed. I like I can't keep my eyes open. The next morning, I started. And I was like, oh my god, that movie was awesome. You know, like, and I was like, I don't even really remember exactly what happened in the first half but the second half was great <laughs> and then like right. the same thing with prometheus like it and that's when you started to get some of some or at least what you thought at the time some of the questions answered um but yeah you're right like the the third acts are are pretty pretty stellar um uh the the things about prometheus it's so interesting you know they, they have these these ancillary characters you've got uh, Charlize Theron, um, who is who is Vickers? She's so Vickers. hot. She's so good. <laughs> she's such. She's so good when she plays a bad guy. I, yeah. I I like her in that movie. But and then they have uh, Wayland, who you know your intro- Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce, which like in in the movie itself, and I looked this up a little bit today, but in the movie he's he's like under all of this makeup, and he's you know looks old and. At watching him, like, okay, so they're gonna have a moment where they're gonna de-age him and he's gonna look normal, but nope, that never comes. And nope. I think I've heard that it's a, in a deleted scene, but it's also in some promotional uh, materials leading up into the first movie or into Prometheus, where yeah, there were like some like you know that fake viral uh, Cloverfield style marketing. Yeah, it was like a TED like talk. A TED talk. Was, yeah, that was Guy Pierce from like the way he looks now from, you know, whatever our current, you know, 2000 something that, uh, yeah. you know, near in the future, but not quite that far in the future. So like, I was waiting for that moment. It's like, they should have just cast someone old because he looks kind of shitty. It's like, that just takes you out of it. It's like, okay, why is there an old guy Pierce? Like it just, yeah, it, 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 it is a weird thing. And so, um, okay. Did you do research into what, uh, David says to the engineer. Uh, what David says to the engineer. Um, in the engineer language at the end of the movie. I did not. Okay, so David says to the engineer, um, "This man would like to live forever. Can you explain to him how to do that?" Okay. So, like, that's the and that's from Ridley Scott himself. Okay. Uh, so that so it explains so like that's why the engineer immediately kills him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is showcases how much they were, they were at this point, not a benevolent species to us. Right. Uh, so, you know, that is one of those little things you kind of have to dig for. I didn't like how Prometheus had all of the digging. The best part of Prometheus for me that I think lives on and is one of the best scenes in cinema is the med pod scene. Oh yeah. It's That's- so, it's so sweet. And it, I mean, because they're calling back to the first movie. That's like, okay, it's this body horror of, you know, something like in, living inside you. And, you know, she had, like, that was like the moment where I was like, okay, I can kind of get with this character. But it's just so, like, 
the, the timing of it and the way like she's reacting around other people and then all of a sudden as soon as she comes out of it she sees Wayland. It's just like I think the pacing was a little off. Like that was a really really cool moment, but then then what? And then they come back to it at the end, which was really cool because it you know kills right. the engineer and it's like this massive massive thing. And you you wonder like okay what's gonna come from well you obviously you see the uh, uh, I guess they call it what a neomorph or something and it doesn't look yeah so it's sort of like the you know evolutionary steps like these little uh, you know very small steps along the, the the way to getting to the alien that we know and I, I don't know I mean I think they may get there they may be able to really connect the dots and explain uh, you know where. Uh, the the alien the xenomorphs come from like w why uh, the engineers decided that they were moving on from humans you know like they 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 made us on on Earth and then they decided that you know because he was going to send the ship to to Earth and destroy us and let the aliens take over because they thought they were more perfect beings it's like what did we do you know they they never answer that and so. Obviously, Shaw's character is really seeking for those answers, and I think maybe in another uh, Ridley Scott Prometheus Alien Covenant sequel, they might get there. We'll see. Um, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm not expecting to have all my my questions answered in this movie. That's something I'm, I'm trying to go in with. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's interesting because, like, Answering all the questions leaves, uh, you know, no more movies to be made. And obviously they, they don't want that. They want to keep making these movies. Um, but, you know, yes, when but, you're yes, but you need to answer. You need to. OK, you're you're right that they want to keep some answers for future films. But you can't have a fan base that had such a non positive reaction to Prometheus. And you've shown them a xenomorph in the trailer. I have seen the I have seen the clickbait articles. Everyone's using that image. I fucking hate them. Yeah. Uh, but like, if you're gonna do the full blown Xeno, like we, that is what the fans wanted, and that's and that is and that is a true exponent of fan service. And I think that they do. Ridley needs to do a little bit of fan service. I think that that's something that, you know, you get in Prometheus in this way where it's. It almost doesn't feel like it's the same universe as Alien. It doesn't yeah. feel in that same vein, and part of that is because of the technology. But uh, you know, that shouldn't be the limitation. And right. I think yeah. that you know, I, I'm I'm hopeful Covenant, but you know, again, very reserved. Yeah, you know, it's uh, interesting. And I was gonna say like, oh, you know, uh, Prometheus could have been any sci-fi movie. If they didn't call it Alien, obviously they didn't even call it Alien. Like there, there are things that we've talked about this before, like other movies. It's like, oh, it doesn't feel like a. It could have they could have put another name on it, and it would have been something else. But this, even without another name, almost wasn't an Alien movie. But it just like just stretched it, and they could have even just changed a couple of things that would have made it a totally new sci-fi franchise. You know, if you think about it. Um, and then, mm -hmm. you know, so doing, making it a, an alien movie, and I, and I think having Alien Covenant, you know, like I said before, having Alien in the title, they have the right now to say, these are the xenomorphs. Like, this is, you know, we're connecting the dots, we're going to tell the story. And, like, because there are a lot of fans out there, like you said, that have been waiting 40 years for answers to some of the questions that were posed in the first movie. And 
at this point, like they deserve it. Like they 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 mm-hmm. through this long, and if they they're going to see this movie, and especially because they're in Prometheus, they're starting to write out some of the the canon from the, the later films, even even with it being a prequel and those movies taking place way further down the timeline. Like it's just it's showing like okay, like the if these teams in the beginning are different, there's no way they can get get to that end. So we'll see. Um, I, it sounds like you're optimistic. I'm I'm optimistic from you know a very fresh perspective. I, you know, I'm excited to go see it on Friday. I think it'll be a fun time. Um, it seems you know like I, I don't know what what kind of buzz it's getting, but um, it, you know I, I hope that a lot of people go out to see it because uh, you know it, the more people that do and and pay money and support the film, then we will get more movies more and, and hopefully get the answers that we're looking for. Okay, so let's wrap up with a few more questions, and then I think we should probably put this one to bed because um, I'm sure that everyone, ha- you know, you've if you're one of our fans, I'm sure you've seen these movies. Maybe you've wanted to have a discussion. I hope you felt like you were a part of it today. Yeah, and we'll want to save some items for you know. Yeah, of course. For the, the next movie, you know, we'll break the, the movie down obviously, and, and then but we'll want to connect it to the rest. So we, I, th- I think there's there's room to expand for sure uh out of all the movies frank and there's you know three we watched here today um which one do you think you know kind of had your favorite scene or or what is your favorite scene of the alien franchise uh what's your like favorite moment that is a hard uh hard thing to pinpoint again i think uh seeing Ripley in the mech suit, like just going toe to toe with the queen. And like, just like that whole sequence of her, like, like tracing her steps back and then, uh, you know, going up the elevator and being like, that queen is following you up that elevator. She's smart. Don't you worry. And like, so like, just like all those sequences and like, you, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, does, do they get onto a, she gets onto a ship but then yeah. the, the alien follows her. It's like, of course it does. It's just like, it keeps escalating, escalating, escalating. And just, so I, I don't know if it's one scene or just a, like a sequence of Yeah, the, the third act in, in, in Aliens. Uh, it's, a, it's just awesome. It's, it's great. And, and, you know, you've got Bishop there, and like, it, it, you're, you're not necessarily expecting it, and then he just gets torn apart. And it's like... It's awesome. Awesome. And you know, like I said, a, a character that I really liked. And it's like, okay, he's not human, so we know he's... Gonna He's be okay, and then he saves Newt. So it's like that's a pretty cool moment. And then it's just so so badass the way she takes him out, uh, takes out the queen rather, and yeah, you know, even more so because it was very similar, you know, to the first movie in the way that you know they they shoot them they out, they blow the her out of the airlock, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's like a total sci-fi thing that that has been yeah. done at this point, but. That, Blow that, out of the airlock, get to the extraction point, big portal in the sky. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know, that's my... What about you? What's your favorite moment? Oh, my God. Okay, I think my favorite uh, moment is... Um, uh, so, when they're getting into the the ship in Alien, when they're, like, and you're going and you're seeing the beautiful Geiger design 
and Ian Holm puts his face over the thing, and it like jumps out into his face and eats through the uh, the space the this helmet. I love, I love, I love that shot. I love that scene. I love the rapidity of it. I love how dark and misty and gross the spaceship is. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. Um, I also really like in uh, in Aliens. Um, the first time the uh, group goes over to the reactor and they think that and they go in that little car thingy and they ride over and they think that they're all going to be okay and you see them all get blown away. I love that scene. I think it's such an amazing act. It is a perfect action sequence for a sequel. Yeah. Because it's, it's the second act and everything falls to shit. Yeah. Everything falls apart in that shot. And then you're there with Paul Reiser and you realize why he's such an asshole and you know you're the, everyone now believes Sigourney Weaver. Like those two scenes are uh, are yeah. really great. Bed pod scene in Prometheus, obviously. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's uh, I think a nice part to end it up. So I think it's really interesting that, and I'll parif- I'll start this with kind of the bigger thing. I don't think we're ever gonna get a proper director's cut for any Marvel movie. Like, I don't think that exists. Like, I don't think that there is a world where there's a two and a half hour cut of Winter Soldier or a four hour cut of Age of Ultron. I don't think that they, I don't think that they ever want to have those kind of reiterations of a director's interpretation of their film, of their product out there for anything. You know, it's interesting. But on the contrary, DC releases the director's cuts of their movies. Okay. Warner Brothers, they put, they put out all of these. And we know that, because uh, I told you, that you should <laughs> probably watch the director's cut of Aliens, but watch the theatrical cut of Alien. What do you think about that? Is there something to be said about an awesome director's cut? Well, you know, it's interesting because it's... Uh... You're right. Like I, I don't think Disney Marvel is ever gonna let the directors go back to uh, tinker with anything because I remember, you know, especially when uh, Age of Ultron and I think Avengers came out, it was like, oh, Josh, Josh, are you thinking that you're gonna go back and do a director's cut? And it was like, nope, nope, nope. And then the movies came out on Blu-ray, and that was it. And well, like it seems like these other movies, Alien, um, even Blade Runner, I'll get to that in a minute. Like they, it's it's the directors going back several years later after after it's had time to kind of simmer. Like so, that's like okay. Think about maybe ten years after Avengers comes out. Like I still don't think they'll let him go back because like no. especially with the shared universe. There's so many moving parts and so many connected tissues that it would screw everything up if they like added in a scene that you know tried to explain something more. And like I think the farthest that they've they've gone so far is just showing some of the deleted scenes. But like I'm pretty sure even most of those deleted scenes don't even necessarily count as canon. Like they don't, uh, and they don't always make it to the box sets. No, they don't. They live and, online. Yeah, and it's an interesting point that you made. Like. Uh, the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman. I, I did watch that, and there's a little bit more in there that you know. While it's already a really long movie, that makes it an even longer movie. Um, it, it makes it a little bit better in some ways. Um, 
I don't think they did a director's cut Suicide Squad though, did they? They had ex- they had like an extended cut. They didn't have okay. a director's cut. Gotcha. Um, but then again, like so, Ridley Scott, it, I think, is a director that is pretty well known to be a tinkerer. Like, how many times has he gone back and edited Blade Runner, like infamously, you know, to the point of oh, um, oh my god, yeah. Where it's like you don't even know which version to watch because they change it changes the meaning of of the ending and the, the, what the characters are and like at this really point, what you want Blade Runner just as an aside anybody you want the original uh, paper DVD director's cut bl- box that yeah. is the best version I'm sorry go back Frank <laughs> but it's like and then that's a movie where we're getting a sequel this year you yeah. know again another movie thirty years later where all this time. There have been tinkerings and changes and stuff. It's like, and we're going to get this sequel that is going to answer a lot of questions from the original movie. But what, what cut are we supposed to go on? And like even Star Wars, like George Lucas infamously went back and and changed some of the original trilogy things. And it's a little bit less plot changes in, in those obviously than it is especially. Sure, but um, you know. Uh, and I, like you said, I, I did watch the um, the director's cut of Aliens, the original of the, the original. Uh, and I, I don't have a frame of reference, so you know it'll be interesting maybe to go back and watch the theatrical version of uh, Aliens just to see the differences. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of movies nowadays were necessarily going to get that. Although, like next week, we're supposedly getting Logan Noir, which is kind of cool. You know, it's like. Uh, it's probably not much plot changes, but it's like, okay, we're going to get something that, uh, you know, a director is making his mark on. And I, I do think a lot did of... Did you the- see the Fury Road in black and white? I did not. I did it's, not. It's the, it's the same concept. I, I have not watched it in black and white. I think I'll probably watch uh, Logan in black and white with Shayna. I, I wonder if she would be interested in doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, uh, back to the director's cut idea, I think it's like, it's fascinating to me that uh, the Alien franchise, it really does, even Prometheus has a director's cut. So, like, it's interesting to me that the directors take such an artful take on on, on these ideas, concepts, and, and yeah. characters. And that it really does feel much more director-specific. And in some ways, it kind of gives you a belief that maybe the Warner Brothers model, while it's struggling right now, and, and you know, uh, they're still trying to court um, Robert Zemeckis for the Flash movie. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, a, a few other people have dropped out, um, but he's apparently still in the running. Uh, I no, think that <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to direct this movie. It's already written and cast. Like I understand that, but yeah. uh, like. I think that there's something to be said that maybe in the future, maybe we're not realizing it now, but yeah. maybe down the line, it, we'll realize that, no, like directors do play a really big role in these franchise films yeah. and that we shouldn't just be relegating, you know, our belief in a studio that does what we ask it to, uh, you know, to be the end all be all. Cause that's something I really took away from the director's cuts versions, you know, at, at this point, it's that like, I, I think a fan, like, especially of these movies, like, you're probably a little bit of a nerdy sci-fi guy to begin with. You want to see the, the, how the sausage gets made. You're not ashamed with, you know, seeing the guy in the suit. Like, you you want to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. And 
I, I don't know. I think that there's something to be said in the future that, you know, we'll see how one guy and one vision and one belief plays against different directors kind of jumping in and offering their own little yeah. pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, most specifically with this this franchise where, you know, Ridley Scott is in a way starting to take it back over. and Totally. Like, what is he going to do? Like, when they make Covenant and whatever other sequels he's planning, will we all of a sudden be like, okay, now it makes sense. And, like, the other ones really don't fit anymore. And, like... That'll be interesting, um, but but then again, that, that sort of goes to one person's vision, and you know, arguably for Marvel, that person is Feige. So you know, yeah. and so it, you got to have someone driving the ship, and you know, if if Ridley Scott is the one to do it for the Alien franchise, and uh, if Zack Snyder is the one to do it, or Jeff Johns to do it for DC, like there's got to be someone with the vision overall, and like I think it, it's. It's hard when you you try to take that away from a director because the director's trying to make their film. They're not trying to make the franchise most of the time. So it it you know for Ridley Scott, I think they're one and the same. So it, it may be better for it in the long run. But uh, you know, I, obviously, we I think the exception and back to last week's conversation, we're going to have a really really great trilogy of Guardians of the Galaxy. I would be surprised if we got director's cut of that. Yeah, I don't think that those exist. I don't think they let James Gunn do that, unfortunately. It was a bummer. Yeah. And, they and should. So he'd love to, but you know, but again, he had such a hand in it, and was. I don't think Marvel necessarily held him back that much. So I think the movies that he wanted to make are the movies that we got. I I, I think that that's true too, and and you know, uh, I, I'm just excited to see what he does. But even even more so than that, and here's something I would like be so down to see. I want to see the like the director's cut of Last Jedi from Ryan Johnson. Ooh. I want to read his unedited script. I want to see everything. I saw online today Ty Bombers. Like, yo, this guy literally had all the micro machines. It's like, listen, guys, I got this. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, it's hard, though, because the director's cut of that movie is still probably different than what was originally written because of, you know, Carrie Fisher. So, Oh, it- you're totally right. Everything changes, so, you know, one day maybe there'll be an animated version where we can get, you know, everything right, sure, that they sure. originally wrote. But anyway, I think uh, this has been Quite a really enough. great chat, and I, I'm, you know, I really am excited about this franchise now, and I'm really glad that you introduced it to me, um, and I hope everyone else listening, it, you know, if, if you're with us this far, obviously you probably have watched some of these movies um, and we hope that you go see Alien Covenant and tune in next week when we recap it in full spoilers. Yeah, and listen, if you have any ideas or you want to reach out to us about what's your favorite ideas, we'll mention you. We'll talk about you by name. We'll call your ass out. We're happy to do it. Uh, mostly just because we, you know, feel that, you know, we want this to feel like the discussion at the end of the night, you know, at the after the movie's over, what'd you think, what was happening? And that involves, you know, you guys as well. So, Thank you for tuning in this long. Um, Frank, you want to take us out, buddy? Sure, yeah, everyone. Uh, obviously, we really appreciate you tuning in every week. Uh, we hope to continue doing these podcasts as long as we can. And uh, uh, I'm Frank, and we've got AJ over I'm AJ. There. And uh, we are the Long Lost Heroes, uh, longlostheroes.net. Uh, you can reach us at info at longlostheroes.net on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at LLH Podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't yet. 
uh, leave, us, leave us a rating and a review. Um, some of you may still be uh, listening to the podcast on our website, but we are on iTunes. You can search for us in your podcast app on your iPhone or iTunes, wherever you, you get us. Stitcher. Uh, we're not on SoundCloud yet, but we will be in a few weeks. We will be. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, keep an eye out for the Alien Covenant uh, spoiler cast sometime next week. And thanks everyone, so much, everybody. Take care, Frank. Have a good night. All right, you too.